It may surprise some people here, but I'm a pretty skeptical guy. I have doubts about our faith, about the church. I refuse to believe, I highly doubt that our faith and our church is founded on anything that is solely 100% human. That anyone would die for simple philosophy. That Jesus was just made up and the church has been lying for 2,000 years. I'm sorry, we're not that good. And think about the history of our faith and think about the church, what she has gone through. Empires rising and falling, wars, Rome being sacked multiple times. In recent history, the tragedy of the scandals that destroyed lives of the children of the church. And yet we're still here. There's just no way this is wholly human. It had to be, something it had to be founded on something else, something that is both fully human and fully divine. And there's a lot of clever, cleverly devised myths out there about our Lord. People who say he was a myth. He's a copy from pagan religions. Or he's just, he was just this moral teacher, this, this rabbi. He wasn't actually God incarnate. We, 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 the church made that up. Less than who he is. When I was, uh, when I was a teenager, I was in, in religion class, and the teacher was, was showing us what was going on in the story of the loaves and fishes. You know, the story where Jesus multiplied the loaves and everyone was fed. And the teacher was telling us, well, you see, what really happened was that Jesus gave out the food and everyone else had some food in their pocket and they all just learned how to share. Jesus taught them the miracle of sharing. Okay, I'm a teenager. Don't talk to me like I'm three years old. And also, that is not what the story is about. If you're implying that the ancient Jews didn't know how to share, I'd be careful what you're saying there because those are our ancestors, or as Pope Benedict calls, calls them, my favorite term for the Jewish people, our fathers in the faith. That's not who Jesus is. He's not, he's not this, this do-gooder that just was fully human and that was it. And even the age, of the, we're in the apostolic age now, let's go back to the first apostolic age. The apostles were also dealing with a lot of myths out there. Who was occupying their country? Pagan Rome. They probably saw temples to gods and goddesses. They probably saw disgusting acts. They, even with, among their own people, they had this mythic understanding of who the Messiah was supposed to be. I mean, Jesus quotes Daniel when he's before the Sanhedrin. You will see the Son of Man coming down from the clouds. He's using the prophetic language of Daniel. And the Gospel according to Matthew is the most Jewish of the Gospels. The audience would have been the Jewish Christians of that age that the Messiah was supposed to be this, this Davidic political figure, the knight that was going to show up in shining armor and destroy the Roman Empire. We're going to put the kingdom of David back where it's supposed to be. That's also a myth. That's not who Jesus is. In the Greek of the New Testament that we hear today, when the Father says, this is my beloved Son, listen to him, the words for listen to him are akuete autos, two words in Greek autos, which means listen to him, not just hear him, but in the Greek it also means understand him. Know who he is. Do we know who Jesus actually is? He's the real, transfigured, ancient one of the prophet Daniel. He's the one whom the law and prophets bear witness. 
Look at the altar. Why are there two candles? Or at the procession. Why are there two candles? Because it's symmetrically pleasing? It's because each candle, according to a tradition of the church, represents law and the prophets. And who's in the center? The transfigured ancient one, Jesus Christ. And he came to do something that no philosophy, no ideology could ever do or ever complete. He came to change us. He came to transform us. He came to transfigure all of us. When I was about nine years old, my, my dad had come home from work. This is, uh, I remember, summer break. And he stopped by uh, Blockbuster to rent a movie, if you still remember what Blockbuster is. And he wanted to watch a movie with me that he grew up watching. It was called Superman, the movie, from 1978 with Christopher Reeve. And there's a, there's a beautiful line in that movie. It's my favorite line. When, uh, when, when Superman, a young Clark Kent, discovers that he's from the planet Krypton and he meets his, his real father, Jor-El, and his father, Jor-El, explains to him why he sent him to Earth. Why specifically Earth? He says to him, they can be a great people, Kal-El. They wish to be. They only lack the light to show them the way. For this reason, above all, their capacity for good, I have sent them you, my only son. When Jesus was transfigured, I used to think that he's just showing simply a glimpse of his power, the glimpse of his glory. And that is true. He is doing that. He's showing he's more than just a man. But there's so much more happening there, too. When he's a light, when he's shining in all his glory, where is his humanity? Did he just take it off? Like a coat? I'm going to shed this humanity to show you who I am, actually. That was actually a heresy that the church had to deal with, that Jesus was simply a divine being that wore a human costume. And luckily, the church, in her wisdom, guided by the Holy Spirit, realized that was not true. That was a lie. That's a cleverly devised myth from heresy. He's demonstrating to his apostles that he's transfiguring humanity. And Moses and Elijah, what are they doing? They're doing, doing the same thing we're all invited to do every Thursday. They are adoring the Lord. They're in adoration on the mountain of Mount Tabor. Our Lady and St. John the Apostle would do the same thing on the hill of the cross at his crucifixion, which is what completes and perfects his glory. Peter wanted to stay up there. It's good that we are here. And yes, it is good that we are here. But we don't live in a life that's a bunker mentality. Jesus had to descend that mountain to ascend another one, to be enthroned for his kingdom at the cross. And that's the truth of our faith. Our faith is inexhaustible. There's so much we can keep going at, and we'll never exhaust it. You'll never hit the end. So God is calling us to be light, like him. He wants to transfigure all of us, because our broken, dark society the world, the culture, needs that illumination, needs the light of Christ. And we're given that opportunity to participate in that, to be co-heirs, as Monsignor prayed at the Collect at the beginning of Mass. Now living in the apostolic age, we're given an opportunity here. We're called to be like Peter, James, and John. 
Why was it those three specifically who were up on the hill with, with Jesus? Why? Why those three? Because Peter loved the Lord. John was beloved by the Lord. And James died for the Lord. He was the first apostle to be martyred. We're called to do that every day. Love the Lord, be loved by Him, die for Him. Every single day. And it begins with the Eucharist. We are called to go out. We're called to be lamps. We're called to be candles. We are the candle. He is the light. We're called to be voices of reason in the mission field that is an irrational society. And we're called to accompany others as missionary people. One of my favorite moments of an Easter Vigil Mass is in the beginning when we all process in, like the children of Israel, we process into the church with our candles. And slowly, some people take light from the, from the Easter candle, and we light each other's candles. That's what we're called to do in accompaniment. Lighting someone else's candle, bringing them into the light that is Jesus Christ. And a beautiful thing about that light is that when you, when you shine it in the darkness, the darkness scatters. We as a people who know our faith, who know who Christ is, can see what is the darkness in our lives. We can be the light in that darkness. We can be the light in the darkness of our loved ones. We can be the light in the darkness of the world. And we can call out. Part of it is calling out those cleverly devised myths in secular society. I'm sure we've seen so many ideas, so many ideologies that we just think, what is going on? This is absolutely insane. And we call them out for what they are. Destructive, sick, confusing. Look, for example, to Hollywood. All the stuff they're putting out, all the garbage they're putting out, and all those messages that are sinister, either blatantly or subtly. It's no wonder why a film like The Sound of Freedom is being so popular right now. People are sick of the confusion. They're sick of the ideology. They want that simple message. For example, in the film, God's children are not, are not for sale, bringing up the horror and brokenness that is the trafficking of children. Or think of the destructive myths that influence the most violent century of mankind, the 20th century. Karl Marx with Das Kapital, where man is simply just a socioeconomic being. God's not even there. Religion is the opium of the masses. He's not real. Karl Marx was rich enough to own a maid. He's a hypocrite. Or Adolf Hitler with Mein Kampf, where the kingdom was, and God, was basically the Nazi state and de Fuhrer. That if you weren't part of a certain race, you were cast aside and killed. What was the result of both of these myths, both of these lies from these men? The deaths of millions of people. There are people, there are generations, who are not here because of the lies of fascism, of communism. We've got to call out those lies too, and we're seeing it now with wokeism. Millions died for those myths that were sold to them, including actually Pope Benedict's cousin. The Nazis took him away for one reason. He had Down syndrome. They took him away because he was not fit for society, according to the perverted Nazi ideology. And it's not that much different today. Think of someone who's struggling with gender dysphoria, what kind of myths they're being sold. When we, as the people of light, a people of faith, basking in the transfigured Lord, want to just show them, you're so, much, you're so loved. You deserve to be guided, to be protected, to have your human dignity, and shown the truth of the beauty of the human person.
You know, all these ideologies, these lies, they shouldn't be listened to. We've got to call them out. Call them out for what they are. Because the truth is so much better. It is immensely better. Because Jesus is real. Our transfigured Messiah is not just some historical event that happened and that was it. He continually wants to bring us to him, to be transfigured, to be a light. We're here at Mass. Are we here simply to check a box or do our good deed for Sunday? Or is the Eucharist going to be a place of encounter, a place of transfiguration, so that when we leave the church today, we can be a light, even at coffee and donuts and even in the parking lot and beyond? Do we want to be transfigured? Do we want to be changed for the better? All we have to do is listen to him. Thank you.